We're going to read through verse 19. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father, he said, Here I am, son, he said. Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in, in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand of the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall, be, shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Heard a story of a little girl that was trapped in an upstairs bedroom during a fire. As she leaned out the the window, calling out for help, she she heard her father on the ground say, Jump, honey, I'll catch you. The little girl cried out to her dad, but dad, she goes, "I, I can't see you. I can't see you. I can't see where you're at. And the father said, but I can see you. So go ahead and jump and I will catch you. And because she trusted her father, Actually, she trusted her father's voice. She was willing to jump and escape that fire. And I think in some ways, we see this going on in our our story this morning. Because it takes trust to take that kind of a, a, a jump. Just as it takes trust sometimes to obey God when He asks us to do the hardest things, difficult things that we never thought we would have to do. You know, things have been going well for Abraham and Sarah since the birth of their son. After 25 years of of waiting, finally, 
there was fulfillment of, of God's promise. You might, might remember that when Abraham and Sarah got the news that they were going to have a, a, a son, Abraham, he laughed, but he laughed out of his amazement at, at the mighty God he served. And, and we looked at um, in past weeks of how Sarah laughed out of her, her doubt. But yet when their son was born, they gave him the name Isaac, which fittingly means son of laughter. And I'm sure he did bring a lot of laughter into their house. Listen to how Sarah describes the coming of her son. Chapter 21, verse 6. And Sarah said, And God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in my old age. You can just hear the amazement in her voice. Something that she never thought was going was to happen. You can just imagine how that little one, after all those years of waiting, how it brought laughter to their, their home, brought much joy. Now at the time of our story, Abraham is approximately 115 to 120, and his wife is not far behind him. You almost kind of expect the Bible to say, and Abraham and Sarah, they lived happily ever after. They got their son. They got Isaac. I mean, whew, after all those years of waiting. But God had a test for Abraham. A test that would see if Abraham truly had put his trust in the Lord. I'm sure when Abraham heard God call his name, he was excited to do whatever God wanted him to. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, Lord. What do you want me to do? You can almost, he's just happy that God is speaking to him. And then this came. Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, the one whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering to me. Notice those phrases that God uses. Your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. There's no mistake which child God was talking about. And he knew this was going to be difficult. God knew that this was going to be the hardest thing that Abraham ever did. Clearly, it's a test from the Lord. God wanted to see if Abraham loved his son more than, than he loved God. And by his willingness to to sacrifice his son, he showed through his actions who was his first love. You know, by its nature, a burnt offering is total commitment. And that's really what God is asking from Abraham, his total commitment. And that's what he asked from each of us. Not our partial commitment, not just our commitment on Sunday mornings, but our total commitment. You know, since God already knows what's in our hearts, you have to wonder, though, why, why does God test us? I mean, God knew what Abraham was going to do. Our God is powerful and mighty. He knows everything. So why does He test Abraham? Is it so that he can see for himself what Abraham's going to do? No, he knows that already. Really, a test is for us. It was for Abraham. It's to show Abraham what really was in his heart. 
It's so easy to say that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but it's another thing to live it, to live it out in your life each and every day. See, God wants us to know for ourselves if we're really trusting in Him. And if we're not, then we need to make some changes. And then God also tests us in order to refine us, to bring out the best in us. Just like you would burn away the dross and impurities um, in gold or, or silver or some precious metal. That's what God does for us. And it, it's so easy for us to get in kind of a, a spiritual rut. We start to take God for granted. And so God will send tests that test set time, I think, to awaken us spiritually and, and to help us see who we're really trusting in. And just as a ship can't prove that it's sturdy and that it's seaworthy until it's, it gets its hull wet, so it's the same with us. We need to be tested. So how does Abraham respond to God? Did he doubt did he demand that God explain himself? Why in the world he was asking him to do this, this horrible thing? And the surprising thing, if you noticed as we read the text, Abraham doesn't object. He doesn't argue with God. What we do see him do, though, is immediately the next morning, gather two of his servants and the wood and the fire and the knife and whatever other supplies they needed, and they left. He obeyed God. Not one word of objection, which almost seems kind of odd. I mean, this is the man who pleaded for Sodom and Gomorrah, remember? He pleaded that God would be just and not punish the righteous with the, with the wicked. Wouldn't you think here in this story that Abraham would also Say something to God? Remember what he said to, to God regarding Sodom and Gomorrah. Shall the, not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Was this just? And God asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. You have to wonder what's going on. And I, I think the, the author of Hebrews gives us a hint of what was going on through in, in Abraham's mind. Listen to this. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, to whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that, that God was able to raise, from, raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. That was from Hebrews 11. Now, evidently, Abraham has been considering God's request. I'm sure he didn't get much sleep that night as he prepares to leave. What did he conclude? And I think it's clear. He concluded that God is a God who keeps His promise. And God kept His word to him. And so he didn't need to doubt it. God promised Abraham that through his son, the nations would be blessed. His descendants would be like the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore. So God, Abraham already had God's promise. 
So he didn't need to question that. And it's clear from that passage in Hebrews, he expected God to raise him from the dead. Which is amazing when you think about it because no one yet in the Bible had been raised from the dead like this. But that shows Abraham's faith, how he trusted God's Word. So Abraham immediately leaves. Three days later, he gets to Mount Moriah. And he says to his servants, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and and worship, offer a sacrifice, and come back to you. Notice he doesn't take his servants with. And you wonder why. Our, Our passage doesn't explain that, but I wonder if he left them there because he didn't want them interfering. Trying to convince him not to do this, this horrible thing and, and obey God. And so as they, Abraham and Isaac, they make their way to the top of the mountain or the place where God wanted them to, to do this, Isaac says to his father, My father, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the offering? Well, I bet that just cut right into Abraham's heart to hear his son say that to him knowing what was about to happen. And Abraham replies, God Himself will provide Himself a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Notice Abraham believes that the sacrifice has to come from God. Abraham knows that Isaac could never take away anyone's sin in a burnt offering. While he didn't understand why God wanted him to do this, yet he was still willing to do it because that's what God asked him to do. But I think this all adds to his belief that, that God was going to provide in a, in a special way throughout all this. Our text says when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood, bound his son and laid him on it. You have to ask a question. Now, how old do you think Isaac was? How do you think, how old do you think Isaac was in this story? A lot of famous painters painted a little boy laying on that altar bound up. But is that really how old Isaac was? I, I, I think there's a couple things in our, our passage that gives us a clue that, that he was more than likely a little bit older than that. Probably between the ages of 15 and 20. For one, he carried the wood up the mountain since they left the, his servants. So you had to be strong enough to carry enough wood to to burn up a a sacrifice. Also, um, in in the Bible, the word that is used for a a boy here, um, it's used in other places. 1 Chronicles 12, 28. uses that same word, but there it's not just a boy. Um, It's actually a brave young man. So you you can translate that word in, in different ways. Even the oral tradition from the Jews that go all the way back, um, it, it tells us that, that Isaac was probably around 20 at the time of, of our story. And uh, jo- Josephus, uh, one of the early church historians, he even writes that um, it, it was told verbally that um, Isaac was willing to obey. And, and he willingly submitted himself um, to be bound and, and laid on on that altar. Uh, 
You can just imagine Abraham with that knife poised in the air, ready to sacrifice his son. How amazing those words he heard. Abraham, Abraham. What a relief it must have been for him. And then God telling him, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from from me. Abraham had passed the test. He showed through his actions that God was first in his life. But now, he and uh, his son, they needed a sacrifice. Don't forget, they had gone to worship the Lord and and to go into God's presence as, as sinful human beings. We need a sacrifice. But just as Abraham said, God provided the sacrifice. And Abraham turned, and there was a ram caught in the thicket. And so then they took that ram and used that as a sacrifice. You could say it was substitutionary atonement on that day. Isaac didn't have to die, even though he deserved to die. We all deserve to die because of our sin. Yet God in His grace... He sent a substitute that would take Abraham and Isaac's place in our place. Let me go back for a minute though. Verse, verse 11. When the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven. Who's the angel of the Lord? We've talked before about this. It's, it's Jesus in the Old Testament. And you can just hear Jesus saying this. Stop, Abraham. There can only be one sacrifice for sin. And Isaac can't provide it. But one day, I will come and I will die on the cross for your sins. John says, the Lamb of God who had come to take away the sins of the world. And so we're really seeing a a, a foreshadowing of what would one day happen at the cross. And there's a bunch of hints in the story that, that clearly point to the coming of Jesus. Isaac carried the wood on his back. Jesus carried the cross on his his back. Both Isaac and Jesus, they were obedient unto death. Both Isaac and Jesus, they were bound in preparation for death. Mount Moriah, which is the plateau where where God wanted Abraham to, to sacrifice his son, where that altar was that he built, that would eventually be the place where the temple would be built in Jerusalem. And more than likely, that's where the altar in the temple was. It's also the area where Jesus would one day be sacrificed for our sins on the cross. Abraham named that place Jehovah, Jireh, so that it would be a reminder to people from that time forward that it's God who provides We've been given the Lord's Supper, which we celebrated last week, to remind us of that same message. God will provide for all our needs, for our salvation. Both Isaac and Jesus were offered as sacrifices by their fathers. Each was described as the only begotten son of their father. And finally, Abraham believed his son Isaac would rise again from the dead. Jesus actually rose from the dead because He was God. 
There's more parallels here, and sometime I hope you, in your devotion, study this, this text. It really is amazing how it points to Jesus. But in the end, Abraham had to choose between his love for his son or his love of, for God. And our actions tell us that he clearly put God first. Because clearly, where you, whatever you love the most, that's where your heart, heart's desire will be. If it's with God, praise the Lord. Your desire will be on God and He will be your first love. If it's on the things of this earth, then those things actually become an idol to us. Because anything we place before the Lord, anything in our lives, the Bible calls that an idol. And so let me ask you, is there anything you're holding on to today that's become more important than God? Is there anything in your life that's become more important than God? Do you trust God enough to surrender to Him? To lay it at the altar? Because if you hang on to it, again, it will become an idol in your life. And so we all need to ask ourselves, who is our Isaac? Who is the most precious thing in our life? Is it a person? Is it our children? Is it our grandchildren? Have we placed our families before the Lord? It can easily happen. How about a career? How about sports? How about your hobbies? How about the things that you do? When they come before your relationship with the Lord, then it's an idol in your life that we need to to lay down at the cross. We need to be willing to surrender everything to the Lord. And when we're willing to do that, God blesses us abundantly. It's not that He doesn't want us to have those things, those wonderful things that He's blessed us with. He just doesn't want them to become more important to us than He is. It's so easy. Our, Our world proclaims today that happiness is the most important thing. That's what you need to strive after. You know what though? Happiness cannot be found outside of Jesus. It's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what brings the happiness, the joy, the peace into our lives. One Christian author wrote this, Too many of us are missing the joy of seeing God's blessings fully released in our lives because we are tenuously clinging to that which seems most precious. We argue with God that we can't possibly put our career or our family or possessions on the altar because it's the only thing we have of value when in reality you have something so much greater and that's Jesus. So when going through a season of testing, Remember that Jehovah sees and provides because He's Jehovah Jireh. When your month outlasts your money, our God will provide. When you're feeling overwhelmed, when life is just beating you down, God will provide. We just need to keep our eyes on Him and trust Him. Even through the storm, our God promises He will never leave us nor forsake us. And so I encourage all of you, take that step of faith and claim the promises of God that are 
that are yours in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for examples like Abraham who show us what it means to take that step of faith to make you his first love. And we just pray, Lord, that we might be willing to do that as well. Lord, forgive us if we've placed other things before you. They've become more important. This morning, we just, again, turn to you and just pray that you might be our first love. Enable us to do this through your, your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.